Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. Joining us now on the phone, Jason Kindrichuk. Assistant Professor, Canada Research Chair, Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. Jason, good morning. Good morning. I just want to say, it's, listen, I already have to follow Kalo on Thursday. So, <laughs> yes, you know, I know. Tough now doing this twice a week. <laughs> well, and, and you're, you know, coming on after I talk about Bob retiring. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> uh, that's huge news, too. But listen, I, I, I heard the numbers, obviously the numbers yesterday, COVID numbers came out after my show. I was listening and I'm going, oh boy, it really does kind of feel like this fourth wave is kicking in, eh? Yeah, and I, and I think it feels a little bit like deja vu for a lot of people from last year, right? That, you know, we're, we kind of remember this trend of things were starting to go on the uptick and, and we're hearing about, you know, the, the slam on the healthcare system. And, and of course, it all kind of coalesces around uh, the, the start of the, you know, the, the time period into the holidays. So it's, it's tough. I, I think we're, we're in a position of saying, what, what do we do now and how do we mitigate this? Well, and I think, and, and you're right, and I was listening, uh, if I have time later, I'll play a, a clip of a, of a doctor, I think out of Ontario, who was saying, we just need to do the little things, right? Like, you know, if a restaurant looks too full for you and you don't feel comfortable, don't go in that restaurant, as an example. Uh, you know, remember social distance, wash your hands, some things that I think have become routine for us, but it, it, we've maybe also forgotten some of that stuff, right? So those are things that all of us can do. Um, but then we've got areas of our province, like the Southern Health Region, and I don't want to keep, you know, pointing them out but that is where we're we're seeing some of the issues and what do we do about that now is there anything that we can do well it's a great question and, and you know i was asked about this yesterday and very poisonly said I, I don't know and and i don't say that from a defeatist standpoint but i i don't know what more can be done to, to try and, and reach out to people if, if you try to, to do vaccine messaging listen we, we know that we're already at, at a point we're probably not going to get a lot of extra uptake restrictions have have worked to some extent but you also have to have buy-in from the communities and certainly have the ability to enforce those so i, I think we do get in this position of saying I, I don't know aside from community advocates and and friends and neighbors and family stepping in and and trying to provide advice uh, in, in spite of them probably being, you know, uh, you know, kind of viewed somewhat poorly in, in certain situations, I think that's our, our best chance, probably. Mm-hmm. We haven't really talked about variants of concern since Delta. I want to play a little bit of a report uh, by one of our global people in Saskatchewan about um, a couple of versions of uh, the Delta variant that have popped up in that province and may become an issue for us to keep an eye on in Western Canada. Listen to this and then we'll talk about it. At a Saskatchewan Health Authority physicians meeting late last week, doctors learned of two new types of the Delta variant called sublineages that emerged on the prairies. What we are dealing with now with these variants is very much different. It's not the same virus as we were dealing with at the beginning of the pandemic. As the virus circulates, it gains more opportunities to mutate, and each evolution could offer new advantages. The Delta variant is highly transmissible and so changes more. Scientists, for example, have found new sublineages in Singapore, Europe, and the northeastern United States. And they found two new types in Western Canada, the AY25 and AY27. 
At the meeting, one of the province's top doctors expressed her sorrow because the fourth wave already pummeled Alberta and Saskatchewan. I hope there's not a Western Canadian or Saskatchewan-Alberta variant coming because that's not what I want to be known for. We're already known for losing COVID. So, Jason, what's a sublineage? There's a couple they're talking about here, and do we need to worry about a Western Canadian variant? Yeah, it's a good question. Listen, my, both myself and uh, Dr. Angie Rasmussen were, were asked about this yesterday from Saskatchewan. And, and you know, when we look, deal with sublineages, the, these are basically, you know, variants or, or, or you know, mutations uh, in, in Delta. So they fit within basically the, the Delta lineage, and they basically have, you know, the uh, probably a few mutations that maybe are deviating it away from, from the original uh, Delta. So where, where we sit in regards to being concerned about it, Listen, there, there's some epidemiology data that suggests there might be a very, very slight transmission uh, uh, increase in, in the, uh, the new lineage. But we're talking about very, very minimal. We're talking about, you know, 5%. And if you're looking at where Delta already sits with being 50% more transmissible than what Alpha was, that extra 5%, first of all, we, we haven't validated it yet. It probably isn't going to, to outcompete delta already so you know we, we have to appreciate that yes that we want to keep an eye on it it's it certainly we need to be doing the sequencing to identify these things but this does not change our strategy whatsoever we need to be concerned about delta and all the things we've been doing to try and mitigate delta these also have to be taken into uh into effect with with this I'm glad you were able to answer that because you hear that, right, as a layperson, you hear that and you think, oh, brother, now what, right? And and so I'm glad to hear you say, yeah, we're keeping an eye on it, um, but not a major concern at this point. And then we mentioned the Southern Health Region or other areas of the province where vaccine uptake is low and maybe some other measures aren't being followed by a number of people. Would we ever need to worry about... Uh, uh, something like this uh, in southern health region or a part of the province, or is it more over a larger area like Western Canada or or a country? Well, you know, I, I think that any listen, any variant that has any additional enhanced transmissibility is going to be a concern. So even even with a, a you know a very very slight advantage, maybe it might be able to move a little bit faster. But to be fair, again, we get back to this idea that the mitigation efforts we know work against Delta will still work against this, against this sublineage. And certainly vaccination will still keep people out of the hospital and, and out of ICU. So we really need to be focusing on, on those things. And, and again, it goes back to how do we get that message uh, carried through the areas where, where we're still seeing hesitancy. Jason, thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Al. Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Security. He joins us now on the phone. Marty, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for jumping on for a couple of minutes. I wanted to talk about, well, the big story yesterday, of course, was, uh, you know, cars allowed to go across the border again. How was day one? What are you hearing? Yeah, day one was initially busy, like 1159 prior to November 8th. They were lined up and ready to go. But I will say this much. It was so much of a staggered start. And what I'm seeing from my clientele is they definitely are heading out within the next two weeks. I don't think anybody wanted to be on the front end and worry about hotel accommodations and driving down there at this point. So I see the majority of the snowbirds will be all heading out over the next two weeks. That's, uh, that's pretty clear at this point. And if you're going across, uh, you know, for a day or two, well, then you've got to make sure you come back with that negative PCR test. Snowbirds may be not as worried about that because they're going down for a while. They've got time to get tested down there and then come back. 
Uh, and I know we were hearing yesterday that in some parts of the U.S. there are actually free tests for Canadians. Yeah, it is so unclear at this point. I do know for a fact, travelers have told me in New York City, they were walking down the street and prior to Central Park, they were able to see a pop-up tent that gave them a COVID test for no charge. Others are talking about pharmacies in Florida that you walk in and you can get your COVID test there, no charge. But there is no guarantee on the turnaround and delivery. And if you've got a flight booked and and non-cancelable, you have got a problem there worrying if this test will get back to you in time before you get on so i'm not sure it's the answer but it is sure an interesting option that we never knew about prior to the last couple days i wonder how how much longer this requirement of a negative pcr test when you enter back into canada is going to be i wonder how long that's going to be required because there's a lot of pressure to get rid of it maybe go with a rapid test and some are even saying why are we even testing at all you've got to be fully vaccinated so is the test even useful at all you still can be a carrier and from my perspective this is what would make the most sense november 21st is looking like the date that i think this could happen that they get down to a rapid test you are 100 percent correct it's probably almost as accurate if not equal to and a lot less money so i don't think we can go cold turkey right down to nothing i think we have to make that next logical step down that would help out travelers a tremendous amount and yes i think when snowbirds are ready to come home in april hopefully there'll be no requirement whatsoever yeah, I, th- I do think from what I was hearing yesterday from my listeners, many of them are in no rush to go down to the States. Um, they're going to wait. They, they seem to think that the requirement of a negative PCR test is going to be gone sooner than later. They're waiting. That's what I was hearing from my listeners yesterday here in Winnipeg. Are you hearing the same thing, that if they get rid of the PCR test, they go with a rapid test, or maybe they get rid of testing altogether, that's when we'll see more of a rush for the border? Oh, big time. That will definitely help the day tripper. It will help the Christmas vacation people who are quite now very hesitant to do anything. And getting back to that PCR test, how does it make sense that you can take the test in Canada then go over to the U.S. for four or five hours, spend the afternoon, and use that Canadian test result to get you back into Canada. So if you right. were exposed, and if you had any issue with, with the virus, it would not show up because it was taken on the Canadian side. That alone says how senseless this whole idea is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does sort of seem to defeat the purpose, right? I had a reporter on from the Grand Forks Herald. Of course, we're close to the North Dakota border uh, here in Winnipeg. And when he put out some of the numbers in North Dakota, North Dakota is at 48% fully vaccinated. And when my listeners here in Winnipeg, we've got the low 80s, almost mid 80s fully vaccinated here. When my listeners heard that, they said, yeah, I'm good. We're not going there anytime soon because of the risk of COVID. Yeah, I'm not sure Florida is much higher than that North Dakota number. So you know what? We are in a very good spot right here in Canada, but you have like 20 centimeters of snow on the way. So, I mean, (laughs) it gets people thinking they want to get down to their places they've owned and have not been to the last couple of years. So they're throwing somewhat caution to the wind, believing that fully vaccinations will protect them. And if they do have a case, it will be mild at best and they won't end up in an ICU unit on a ventilator. So that's all they can think at this point. And you mentioned this on my show before, and, and I think it surprised a lot of people. COVID-19 is not a concern when traveling as far as insurance is is concerned, correct? That That is correct. As long as you are fully vaccinated insurers, and they are normally the most cautious group of the bunch, 
evidently see very little risk because they are now including COVID without you purchasing the rider and they have not put a cap on the amount that the claim could be COVID related, which is proof enough to you that they're not worried. So I suspect that the concern isn't what it should be. And that's a good thing right now for people. It's the one bright light that's happened here. The premiums have not gone up. In fact, they're back to pre-pandemic numbers. And you're in the insurance side of uh, the travel business with snow coming. I know there are Winnipeggers and Manitobans going, geez, you know, there's some parts of our province could see, could see 50 centimeters of snow with this system over the next couple of days, next few days here, Marty. And I guarantee you some people are thinking, well, you know, maybe we should start thinking about booking a trip. Where are people booking hot holidays these days where are people going is there a demand and and will we see a, a more of a demand i would imagine we will when the weather turns exactly now internationally i still don't think we're going to see internationally when i say italy france germany till summer of 2022 but we're seeing heavy utilization right now in southern u.s destinations and also caribbean and things like that the only fear is at this point if you're asked to put down a large deposit for a trip Christmas holiday, for example, and you take out trip cancellation insurance, it still will not cover if there's a COVID-related reason for the claim, i.e. the borders have been closed down again. The world has just gone crazy again, and we're into a wave five. That's still a problem. So people are hesitant to put down large deposits for fear they'll never get it back. Marty, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Take care. The pleasure has been all mine. It really has. I've I dreamed of being a sports broadcaster. I've lived that dream to the hilt. I've been in this business for over 50 years. So, man, oh, man, I have no regrets or misgivings about anything. And, again, having a chance to do play-by-play and be the voice of the Blue Bombers has been a true honor for me. And to work at CJOB, one of the greatest radio stations in the country again i've i've been so lucky bob irving our voice of the bombers announcing his retirement at the end of this season right here on cjob this morning joining us now president and ceo of bob's team our team the winnipeg blue bombers wade miller wade good morning good morning Thanks for uh, hanging through the news. I, I really appreciate that. I, I just want to make sure we take enough time here talking about Bob. Y- your reaction to Bob's news? Well, known for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, I, I know it was a tough decision for Bob to make, and uh, you know, but because uh, of the passion that he has for calling the games and being around the game, and uh, you know, we look forward to doing something special for him before the West Final in the last game he'll call at IG Field this year. So. Um, you know, fans get out early to that because uh, we're going to honor Bob Irving uh, like he should be. I'm not sure there's anything we can actually do that would honor somebody that's been around the team for 50 years because that's uh, pretty amazing, and I don't think you'll ever see that again, right? I agree. What is a what is a guy like Bob, a, a voice like Bob, being uh, you know really a member of your team for all those years? What does that mean to the team, Wade? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was just, uh, you know, I'll go back to when I was a player. Um, you know, when you sat down with Bob Irving to be interviewed, uh, it, it was just so natural and so easy to have a conversation with him, which, you know, told the stories of our players, our coaches throughout the years in a very unique way. And, and you know, he, he has such an ability and is so talented, uh, you know, just to, just to be able to get people relaxed enough to do an interview as you know that's not the easiest thing 
uh, for people as they, you know, are new to it and, and don't do it that much. Um, and, and he is able to draw out stuff. I think that most fans would never hear otherwise. You know, it's funny. Uh, and I was going to ask you about, you know, because you were a player, you, you were a player that Bob interviewed and that Bob covered on the field. And, and now you're there, you're the bomber boss. And so it's an interesting perspective, you know, and, and I mean, many players who are well-known names, right? Stars in the CFL stars of the Winnipeg blue bombers. I mean, Bob's the star when, when he sits down with them, right? Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, being a kid from Winnipeg, right? <laughs> That's who you listen to. Um, you know, I think that, you know, you think about it and say, hey, this is this West final will be the last time I hear Bob Irvin call that game. And whether you're on the or you're on the tractor on the farm, whether you're sitting around a campfire, uh, whether you're uh, at a cottage, uh, whether you're driving in the city for a home or away game, that's who you've listened to about bomber football. That's who's done the play by play since most of us have ever followed the bombers or, or been affiliated with the club or, or love our team. Right. Uh, so it is going to be one big change and, uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, is, is, uh, you know, for Bob is the right time. And, and, you know, we're, we're just lucky that we all had him for as long as we did. Um, Boy, isn't that true? Yeah. Because he is just, a you know, just, he's on a level by himself. Right. And there's, I, I, you know, I think his colleagues would say that too. Yeah. Well, I certainly have said that many times, uh, many times today, but many times over the years. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you go after this one more question here, Wade, uh, because you know Bob uh, as well as a human being. Bob is a Hall of Fame broadcaster. What an, what a career, right? And in my business, I mean, my, my business is maybe almost as unpredictable as football, Wade. But here's a guy yeah. who's done it for 50 years, and, and not just in this business, but in, at one station, which is crazy. But he is an incredible human being. What you get from Bob on the air is Bob. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it's a good example for all of us of, how you got to lead an authentic life and be authentic because that's who Bob is, whether he's on the radio or you're talking to him at a dinner or he's out, you know, help raising money for whatever charity it may be. It's, it's just Bob Urban. And that, that's what makes him so unique and so different is who, who you hear on that radio broadcasting that game, doing the play by play is the same guy that would you'd sit down and have a coffee with or a beer with. Wade, so glad you had time to do this. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And boy, listen, um, wouldn't it be, I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to. Um, Okay, I'm going to shut up. I think people know what I was going to say. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to jinx it because I'm talking to a football guy. Wade, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good thing (laughs) you didn't jinx it too, Al. Thank you. (laughs) Damn me. Yes. All right. Wade Miller, President and CEO of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. (sighs) Ah. It's been, an emo- it's been an emotional day, and I know it's been an emotional day for a lot of you too, right? Uh, talking about, about Bob. 